Showed them you never know. Today's episode is brought to you by OnlySteves.com. OnlySteves.com is the only place to get exclusive content from Mike, like the YNK Podcast Plus, where we release two exclusive episodes every month. Or Music Premium, where Mike releases two never-heard-before exclusive songs every month. So head on over to OnlySteves.com today and check it out. All right. It's a special day. It's a special day. We're not at Stevenson Ranch, which is usually the wherever the hell we are in the world. It's my house. Usually we do pods. But I got one of my favorite, one of my favorite personal, one of my favorite country artists in the world with us tonight. Hardy. Make some noise for Hardy in the gallery. Can I get a little applause? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Seriously, I, I think I had, when I first came in contact with you, we were doing, what, the Bellina Cup, which is probably, yeah. probably a sore subject for you. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's already sick about it. The Nelk boys got in our head, dude. They I, did. I will take that. I will die on that hill. Our table, it, we measured it with a tape measure. It was the legal. It was yep. right at seven feet. Yep. We destroyed on the first game, and then they beat us twice in a row because they said that they were like, take st- three steps back because your table. What the Nelk boys do? They're good at it, man. Trolls, dude. They're the finesse- they got they us. They're finessers. They're good they at it, man. Fuck, man. I'll be honest. You were carrying Morgan, if, if I recall correctly. If I recall correctly. <laughs> I remember, uh, who'd you guys have first in that? The Barstool. Barstool. Because I, I, I met, Mar- it was Marty and Dana. Yeah. Um, and I, they actually became, uh, I'm actually really good friends with Marty now. I love that. Cool. That was from that, from that thing. Just yeah. When you think about the lineup that was on that Bellina Cup. Yeah. When you really come back to it now. We had a good one. Who was in it? Crazy lineup. Gronk was in there. MGK was in there. MGK. Oh, yeah. Amadola, I remember Kane. I, I played Kane first Kane round. Dragged him, dragged him across. The, who won? Did you win? We yeah. won it. Damn, dude. Crazy I'm thing I'm to do. you weren't following and watching. <laughs> I can't remember. I think I was just so butthurt, dude. I just like was like, I'm not going to yeah, watch Yeah, you had that like lefty line drive shot. It just yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was nails. Precision. It was dude. nails. He had zero arc just oh, right into the cup. <laughs> hey, he saw an opening. He's going for it. Yeah, yeah, he did. But since I think that's where we we initially connected on Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They had Morgan on there and you were his teammate. But seriously, I, I want to say I started working with Charlie Handsome at the time. Shout out Charlie. He's an incredible... Incredible musician, producer, songwriter, but he played me a record that to this day, I feel like is probably one of the, I can't recall a time where I've been moved by a record as quickly as the a rock. Oh yeah, dude. I, heard, I just heard the demo of it. <laughs> and I and I just, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? What is this? Like it was, you know, I think you, you know, it was a demo version, but I'm just so attached to the demo. I still listen to it. Yeah, dude. It's so fucking good. They call it demo-itis. It's so man, fucking good. Thank you, man. Yeah. I want to I wanna just run through that concept real quick before we get going. Because I think for the people who are listening who haven't heard this record, go check this out. But I think it's one of the better, country, one of the better like song concepts I've heard in a long time. Well, he's like, got the best. Tell me. You got the best pen I've seen in a, oh, yeah, in a long time. I don't know if you've seen, but on my on this podcast, and you might have seen some on social media, but anytime people talk about like writers and who are my favorite, yeah. I saw the one with Caleb Presley. That was, was awesome. Like, I was just like, because Caleb like loves my taste. He's like, who do you got? Who you got next? Like, who, what's going on? I was like, man, he's so good for Hardy. Hardy That's got awesome, the best man. pen, man. It's crazy, dude. I I was riding down the road and um, I don't even know. Sometimes like ideas like that, I was just like lost in thought, and and I was riding on my road, and I was just thinking how like (laughs) everything originally my first thought was like how at one point the earth was just the earth and it was trees and rocks and there was no buildings or anything and I just started thinking about how we've created all this stuff and I was like man like 
metal came from like rocks and like iron ore and like the roads we're driving on are made of rock and like it just I had this crazy thought and and so I wrote down um a rock in my idea and and it, like in my phone my like phone list of ideas and uh and then I just jotted down like wedding ring um mm-hmm. earth is a rock and I, like a few things and uh yeah I just wanted to write a song about like a typical journey through life and using a rock i guess as like a as like a cornerstone for how important different types of rocks are no but seriously for periods in your life and it sounds kind of silly but um yeah it's just sort of an interesting thought and i I don't know like exactly how that popped so it wasn't like an aha moment where you just say you don't remember exactly where you were type of thing I do. I remember. Yeah. I mean, I was literally, I remember exactly where I was. Uh, and I remember I had to write it down driving because I was like, you're going to forget this shit. <laughs> yeah. And I was turning onto the road that I live on. But yep. yeah, I just was thinking about how everything, like a lot of stuff is made out of like. You really rock. got, you really got me at the cemetery part. Oh yeah. Dude. Tombstone. And then we're all just living life on the <laughs> um so good man the music video uh is like one of my favorite things it's i've really been a good. part of man and uh when it goes in reverse at the very end really dude good. none i had no that was all um justin clough and uh ben skipworth and they pitched me that um uh, or showed me the treatment and i was like dude this is if y'all can pull this off like this is incredible and it was all appeared to be filmed in one like flu like just fluent like shot and it was really cool yeah when you get a video a song any piece of art just was such a i was just talking with sam about just the importance of concept and just when you have one of those it's just such a light set it's a timeless concept and the way it was all tied together i mean to this day one of my favorite countries Dude, thank ever. you man yeah for sure but i want to get a little bit into just your start here because from what i've heard you know again charlie was kind of an earnest one of my good buddies kind of put me on to you early. And uh, you were just kind of a, wanted to be a songwriter. Like they had said, like you almost didn't want to be an artist. Is, or yeah, pretty it just much. really wasn't. Tell us about that a little bit. Like how did you, did you kind of get bullied into it just because you were just writing so many great records and they're like, hey man, like. I mean, I, I, I will say like the opportunity had presented itself like quite a few times. But basically, I, um, the short story part of the songwriter side was that I, I wanted to be an artist for like two seconds right when I graduated college. Mm-hmm. And then I signed a publishing deal and I realized how awesome it was that all I had to do or got to do every day was write a song and I could go do whatever the fuck I wanted to. <laughs> and I was just like, this is this is awesome. I can take or leave the artist thing. And so for years, um, all I was doing was writing songs. And then I had gotten involved with FGL. Um, I, they had me out to write. This was still before I had any, any hits, but they they had kind of taken a chance on me and heard some of my stuff. So they had me out to write. Um, I met Morgan through that camp because at the time, FGL was managed by Big Loud. So I met Morgan, mm-hmm. who was Big Loud, uh, and then Chris Lane. And then fast forward like a year, a year and a half, and I started having hits on Morgan, Chris, and FGL. Mm-hmm. And then that sparked um, the label's interest, and they started hearing like a lot of the demos of the songs that they were cutting and that I was singing on. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much, Tyler Hubbard was the first guy that was in my ear about it, and he was just like, "Dude, you got you're crazy if you don't do it." And I just was like, "Man, I don't, I just don't know if I want to. I know it's a lot of work, and it's like if it if it really blows up, like it's very life changing, and sometimes that's hard to process and deal with." Right. So, 
then Seth England started getting in my ear about it and asked me if I would be interested. And I said, man, I mean, I would take a look at a record deal, but I, I don't know. And then the the biggest, I had just got done reading The Alchemist. Uh, Great book. <laughs> Mike, Mike's about to lose it over there. And, don't get me started with The Alchemist. I mean, I had, I mean like a week after uh, I, I got done reading it and then all of this started happening. So I was very, I was mm -hmm. thinking about opportunities and omens and Joey Moy called me um, and I didn't really know Joey at all. And I, I, I specifically remember I didn't even have his number saved, but mm -hmm. it was a 615 number. And back in the day, like if a 615 number called, like <laughs> I was answered because you never know who it yeah. could have been. Yeah. So I picked it up and he was like, dude, Nobody knows that I'm calling you, but I just want you to know if you ever wanted to put out a record, that I will, I would love to be your producer. And dude, I was such a huge fan. Like even back like Nickelback days and Default. Yeah. And he did like all the rock stuff yeah. that I grew up on, and then FGL, and I was a huge fan of his production. So that was kind of the moment that I I really started to consider it. And long story short, about a week later, I met with them and they offered me a record deal and I just pretty much said, fuck it, let's do it. Isn't it interesting how things like that in life happen where you read a book like The Alchemist? Is that like, <laughs> when did you get into that type of stuff? Have you been a guy who reads those types of like kind of self-discovery things? Or yeah, yeah, I love it. Probably uh, like really 2018. Okay. I, I like, I specifically remember getting into yeah. all things yeah. of that, that nature, manifestation and all right. that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So in regards to like how you get how you get started and you say you start having hits, how old were you when you start having hits? You, you were, you know, especially, I was just talking again off camera about this, but country, the songwriting industry itself, you're very young to be a guy that kind of came on and started writing hits. It's kind of an older thing, an older crowd. It was the, for a long time. Legendary sure. writers who like write the fuck yeah. out of almost everything. And Dude, you're, I mean, you're right. For when I moved to town, it was guys like Casey Bethard, Rivers Rutherford, Chris Dubois, Craig Wiseman, yep. Rodney Clawson, and those guys were 40s to 50s. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of switched now, and it, there's a, definitely a lot of younger people coming to town. Mm -hmm. I was 28. Up Down went number one in 2018. So it was Up Down the first hit? Yeah. That was my first hit. I, uh, the and tune. that's a hit. It's a tune. <laughs> it's a tune. Yeah, that was, that was the first one. I had one other single before that uh, called Tyler Farr. Y'all mm -hmm. yeah. familiar with him? Um, he had a song called I Should Go to Church Sometime. Mm -hmm. And uh, it peaked at like 65. And Amazing. Yeah, I was like, fuck, yeah. I, <laughs> I finally, you know, I had my break and, and it didn't work out. And then that was, I think, at the end of, 17 and then in the meantime morgan had cut up down and, and right that went in 18. so where are you from originally mississippi so where in your life i mean i like to in this i kind of like to just paint a picture of your whole life so we could go back a little bit before we go forward growing up in mississippi obviously i know you love hunting and and you know just the outdoors and were you always were you always a writer would you always pick up a guitar and write songs even if it was did you always have ambitions to be an actual like you know, do it for for a living? I, I kind of got into it when I was like seven, 16 or 17. I, I had always known how to play like literally three chords on the guitar. Mm -hmm. And um, my the thing was my sister was and still is a really, really good singer. And so she was really popular like in our, you know, small town. And just with like my family and all that, because she was the singer and she was winning all the contests and mm. doing the thing. And so I just never 
I it was kind of a stay in your lane thing, and I like never really knew that that I had like any musical ability. So I just I didn't like explore that for a really long time, and I just played baseball and golf, and like mm-hmm. just was a kid. And then when I turned like seventeen, I kind of started really learning how to play guitar, and and I wrote a few songs uh, then, and then I kind of realized like I had like somewhat of a knack for it or whatever. But I will say I was a bad student, but um, le- English, I was always really, really good for whatever reason. I just understood like yeah. craft of like how to write like an essay or a short story, whatever it was. I, I never had a problem with uh, English. Everything else was really hard. But so I definitely right. loved words and like wordplay and just that, that everything that comes with that. So you're a baseball guy. Yeah. You no, know, I was a bit. I played baseball. Yeah. You're go- I know you're, and Ern tells me you guys golf all the time. Yeah, Big it's golf. been a minute, but we, yeah, we do. I love golf. Love it more than anything. So, so when when you start writing records, how's the transition happen? You you getting to Nashville? So I went to one. I was in junior college. I was 19, and yep. at this point, I'd written like four songs. Yeah. And my sister was here. She moved went to uh, Nashville in 2007. Mm. And she was going to Belmont. She was going to try to be like a singer right. back in the day. And uh, she pretty much hit me up and was like, hey, because I didn't know what, I had no, ma- I was a liberal arts major, which is code for like, you have no fucking idea what you're going to do. <laughs> and um, she called me one day or texted me and was like, hey, you know, mom and dad or however, you know, she was like, I heard you've been writing some songs. And um, just so you know, there's an entire industry in Nashville based around writing songs is called publishing industry and, and people get signed as you know songwriters to write songs for other people and it, I was I had no idea because just like a lot of people I'm sure people think that like guys like Tim McGraw and Jason Aldean write every song and they actually don't write, write yeah. any of them so my mind was kind of blown and then uh about a month later myself and three buddies we came up here and like just partied for the weekend and hung out and like went to bars and like I just never realized that music was like everywhere here Mm -hmm. and it was like I I called my mom on the way home and I was like I don't know why but I think I need to move to Nashville and try to be a songwriter and she was like okay and both my parents and they've always been super supportive so I moved and that was in 2010 so almost 12 years ago love that tell us about mom and dad what type of what was growing up where in Mississippi Philadelphia (laughs) <laughs> not that I, I don't know. I don't think I frequented Philadelphia. Not a lot of people have been there. It, Tiny town. Yeah, it is, but it's it's got like uh, some cool quirks about it. Do you ever watch? Um, I think it might have been the first ever Thirty for Thirty. Marcus Dupree, the best that never was. He was yeah. a running back. Hell yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Philadelphia. Ah. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and then I don't know. There's a few like historical things that have happened there that are really random. And then like Barty Stewart is from there. Yeah. That was another. That was the Untold, right? Mar- Marty. Oh, that's Marty Fish. Marty Stewart was like a big. Uh, still is like a big bluegrass guy. Okay. Um, like Ricky Skaggs, if you've heard of him, like a very similar mm. deal. But it, you would have really only know him if you were like in country music. But right. anyway, uh, and it and it randomly has two like giant casinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, a good casino. Yeah. Love the beano. And then we have a really big uh, county fair. That's the most incredible thing you'll ever go to. Um, it's everything is just like a fair, but there's like this 
probably 700 acre area with a big fence around it and there's 800 cabins on the property and that kind of look like these nashville tall and skinnies mm -hmm. but they're all family owned and for one week out of the year you just move into your cabin and you just drink all week and like i mean you just party and you eat and you hang out and you like it's hard to explain unless yeah, you go but it's like sick. the coolest thing ever so it has it has a lot of really cool quirks uh, about it, yeah. it. Do they have like a, have you gone back and like performed at that? I just did last fair? year. Yeah. Was that I like a crazy? That. You had a content. Was that a crazy moment it. for you? It was wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, unbelievable. You're, you know, you just listed a few guys that have made it out and, and kind of made impacts on a bigger, on a bigger stage. That must be cool to go back. It's wild, man. So cool. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Where did you play? Like a big, like, you know, outdoor, outdoor. Yeah. Spot so out there's there? a stage, like a concrete. It's there right now. Like it's, set you know stage right and uh it's on right on the inside of a horse track and y'all probably seen that kind of deal they're yeah. the same everywhere yeah. and then you know people stand or sit on the horse track to watch the show right um but yeah they have they have an act monday through friday and it, it's it actually goes from thursday to the following friday mm -hmm. but monday through friday they they'll have like a regular you know affordable country act you know right. every night um, so when you go back do you have tons of family and friends still there? Yeah, I have I have four friend four good friends uh, from back home, and like they're like the guys that'll be like in my wedding. Right. Every everybody else like uh, I don't know. We were always really tight, and yeah, that's that's the only. I mean, I never go hang out with anybody else when right. I when I go home. It's just those those four guys. But we're all really tight. Four's a lot. Let's say you're lucky if you go through life, you got you got one good one that's been with you the whole way. Yeah. Or is a lot. Yeah, you're right. Two of them are brothers, so it's like I'm kind of stuck it's with a package both deal. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. built, built in homies right there. Yeah. The old package deal. Yeah. Um, so when when things start happening for you in Nashville, I mean, I know in my situation it was a little weird because I was a baseball guy and then the music thing happened super random. So everyone's what the fuck? I didn't yeah. even know you even, you know what I mean? Yeah. When when it starts happening for you. How are they, are, you know, back home with mom and her mom and dad, like, are they surprised by it? Do they know it was coming or I know, I know, I know the sister was kind of the, the one that we thought was going to be uh, in the musician space. I don't know. I don't. They were always supportive. And actually, my parents live here now. They actually yeah. live like right across the street. Which is <laughs> I funny. love it. Um, They're in Green Hills. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know, man, I, I don't. They always believed in me. And I mean, dude, they were so supportive. So like, I just don't, like this last couple of years has been kind of wild. So I think everybody's still. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Kind of so, getting used to it a little bit. I mean, it's gotta be a huge moment when you get a first, you write your first hit. For sure. Right? But yeah. then just to see where it's gone for somebody kind of, not reluctant, but not really thinking. I mean, I, I would say reluctant to, yeah, to I, doing the artist thing. Yeah, I could relate. I never saw this coming. Yeah. Just seeing what's happening in your life. At what point did it, I mean, did it hit you like a ton of bricks? Or you seem like a very even keel guy. As the thing started to kind of really take off, how has your headspace been on it all? Especially now, you know, like being established as an artist. And bro, I don't think, I think you're touring just as much. I haven't, you've been on, you've been a fucking road warrior. Yeah, pretty years. much for, yeah, since we started. Somebody who never really saw the stage for them, um, you know, being where you are now. Reflect on it a little bit. It's been, it's, it's, hasn't been all like awesome i mean you i mean going to it going like going into it not expecting like never not necessarily 
not that I didn't want want this, but like I guess you just not expecting all this shit right. has caused like some some uh I guess you would just say like speed bumps. Like right. for everybody. I mean my family like kinda had everybody's adjusting to it at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm not Elvis or anything, but like yeah. we're all sort of figuring it out together. Right. Like just how people around you can change and and stuff like that and it's a real be, thing. Being more careful with like who you let into your life now that mm -hmm. you know that a lot of people might or might not have an agenda as opposed to a few years ago, you know, or whatever. It's, um, a, weird, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's pretty people, wild. People start treating you different. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. Your not trust kind of gets all fucked up. Exactly. A little bit, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's been a bit of a learning curve for sure, but I mean, it's uh, it's part of the gig. You learn it pretty quick. That's just like part of the gig. Yeah. You know. You're kind of thrown to the wolves in that way. Right. Um. It's tough if you're like if you're a people person naturally and you and you love like letting people in and having a good time with everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit. But I, I kind of you, you've been telling me I got to dial it back with kind of. Yeah, I, I, I love a, people, man. It's I, just like my first artist who just signed everybody. him. He's opening our our tour. Oh, next, cool. But he's a uh, he's extremely accessible. <laughs> Have a good time, man. <laughs> I love everybody. That means being at the bar five yeah. nights a week. That's what it means. Right. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's our, and dude, you're younger, you know, but like at a certain point, what he's, what he's talking about is kind of a real thing. You start protecting your energy a little bit yeah. more and it becomes something that you got to just put on your radar as, as a human, you know, yeah. um, and that's just kind of how it, how it goes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hey, again, again, take it with a grain of salt, but I want to, I want to, um, I want to just bring it back to, so that the story, the kind of, uh, the timeline of Nashville happening for you. So you get that first hit with Morgan. Yeah. And then what? Just more and more. That's kind of how it goes as a songwriter. And I think this is interesting because we don't necessarily have guys who started as songwriters on here. And this, you, you said something earlier I wanted to touch on. Like, I had that same experience just being a, I was a, you know, never really saw music in my life, but I didn't, I was unaware of the songwriting aspect like that right. the community of publishing. Yeah, that it's and, like an entire industry. Right. right. So when that hit happens, all of a sudden kind of floodgates open, more and more people inviting you to sessions. That's kind of how it goes more or less, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, fortunately, Nashville, a lot of times, like the, it's it's delayed. Let's put it that way. So like FGL kind of put me on the map and bringing me out a lot. Mm-hmm opened up uh, my window to meeting like really successful writers a lot more. Um, and so I guess what I mean by that is I was fortunate enough to be able to like, I started writing with some pretty big hit writers like before Up Down, but like Up Down was a hit. And then after that, I started having, it was delayed from like songs that I had written like six months to mm. nine months prior with like, you know, hit writers that really taught me how to like really write a hit. Um, but yeah, up down happened in July, and then um, it, I had uh, simple the FGL song simple in October, mm -hmm. and then the next year I had God's Country and Chris Lane, and then anyway, it just it's been like a few. Tell eight, us the records year. you've written. I mean, I know I know it's a ton. Um, well, today is uh, Beers on Me. It's my eleventh number one. I'm pretty stoked about that. No big deal. Good <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, Eleven. That's insane. Thank you, man. Uh, beers on me. Sand in my boots. Yeah. Single Saturday nights. Cole Swindell song. Um, one beer. 
Yeah, just um, running through a list of, my, list of my favorite records. Charlie put me on one beer before. One beer is out of bounds. It's out of bounds. That's one of my. I mean, Sand in My Boots is actually. I mean, it might. It's like a top ten record of all time for me. Right? Yeah, that's great. awesome. Dude. Yeah, I'm dead record. serious. Yeah, I'm that's actually. Awesome. I'm actually doing a cover of it of my first show ever. You are. Oh, really? Tomorrow night. Yeah. Nah, he, nah, I'm gonna, he actually is I'm like fuck it up. The record. He's yeah, like, it's unbelievable. It's so I good. couldn't believe it when it came out. Yeah, I was in L. A. Too. I was running it up at the parties. Come on. And they, that's sick. running it up. That's not even Six the country crowd. Just no, they were getting mad at me. I was like, too late. I love that. Too late. Yeah. No. I mean that. That. That's like. I mean, bro. One. I mean, you just named like. A few of my favorite records of the last, like, you know, he's he's, the, he's Pen Griffey. <laughs> he really is. He's Pen Griffey Jr. This is Pen Griffey. He's, he's, Penny, he's Penny Powers. So when you talk, yeah. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, men have always loved to chug beer. In the old times of Bavaria, the men of Germany would spend their Oktoberfest drinking out of a festive beer stein. In the 1980s, fraternity brothers all over America spent their Greek week pounding beer out of a funnel. And for the last four decades, the world went silent. Then came the Chug Bud, the new revolutionary way to chug a beer. With the combination of a beer bong and a shotgun, this drinking device is scientifically proven to help you chug your beer quickly and easily. Oh, and did I mention it fits in your pocket? Go to ChugBuds.com and use promo code YNK69 to get 10% off your entire order. That's ChugBuds, C-H-U-G-B-U-D-S dot com and promo code YNK69 to get 10% off your entire order. ChugBud, your beer just got a new best friend. In the Bible, many people experienced name changes. And those name changes were very pivotal moments in their lives. You have transformed through your time here. And you need to have a new name that represents that transformation. I'm excited for all the journeys you'll go on from here. And I trust that you will impact many people's lives in the process. I'm honored to have known you. For now, your name is Steve. OnlySteves.com So when you talk about... You, you mentioned something when you were talking about just the songwriting journey. I think it's really interesting. I'd like, I'd like to hear your thoughts on or just, or just your mindset on writing songs and why you think you've had, you've kind of cracked the code a bit to just what it takes. You know, you don't have to give out your secret sauce here, secret recipe, but just in regards to, you know, was it something, was it a kind of, I said like an aha or just was it a, a progression into just kind of, a general feel that you develop for what's right and what's wrong and what works and what doesn't? Or is it more or less no thought, just be and, you know? I think a lot of it is, is like 50% your own like sauce, like your own thing that you bring to the table that not necessarily anybody else does exactly like you. And then the other half is like catering towards the, to the radio. Right. right? Um, and writing all the time because it's your brain is like a muscle, right? And and there's just Absolutely. there's no you can get burnt, and I take breaks if I get burnt and I'm writing too much. But like writing a ton, I've just feels like you just get better and better. I don't know. I don't know if it was like a huge. I mean, it was very. A lot of people think it happened overnight, but it was super gradual. I mean, I was here for eight years before I had yep. like any success, and um, 
So I don't know. I think it's bringing like your thing to the table, but also like being very conscious of writing uh, for the radio. Cause right. I mean, that's, that's like, we were talking about that earlier. That's the only way that songwriters make money. So like right. if you are trying to make a life changing amount of money, gotta you got to write for hit. the fucking radio, dude. There's right. just no way around it. And, and, you know, I feel like slowly you can maybe take instead of 50% radio, like you can weigh a little bit more onto your own thing and, 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 you know, eventually possibly start working on like changing a genre or, or, or people taking a chance on some of your very you songs, you know, that turn into radio songs. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that takes off. I mean, you look at like FGL, um, there, I mean, just a group of people around 2012 mm -hmm. um, that... Uh, like Samuel? Yeah, I mean, Sam, uh, even like Luke Bryan's. Like, they, they did a thing, and they had writers that did a very specific thing that had never been done before, and the entire industry, like, took a turn, and it went that way. And now everybody's chasing that ball and trying to do, like, what, you know, that was. But I, and, and that's because those people wrote, like, there was a a touch of radio but there was a lot of uniqueness and and it just was something people fell in love with so with your artist career are you well i mean so you know obviously you know how to write a hit and you cater your songwriting to the radio because you said like you can't really make any money unless you're you're hitting the radio yeah as an artist are you catering to the radio or are you kind of using that as an outlet to really dive into like all right this is hardy as a creative because you know you, you can do the songwriting for other people, but is this your outlet to just be like, fuck it, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to be an artist? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I, I saw it with your, I think your most recent record, where you're diving into the hard rock and, and mm -hmm. you're really going for it. And it's like, bro, it's badass. Like, Thank you. It's hard. Yeah. Dude, I just, I don't know, man. Look, the radio game is, is very frustrating mm -hmm. and it can be a little slimy. Mm -hmm. And if anybody out there says it's not they're they're fucking lying <laughs> or they just don't know yeah so <laughs> man and i'm i'm gonna put out the music that i like and if they want to play it yeah. that's fine and if they don't exactly. that's fine um and if if that means that all we're gonna do is play three thousand cap rooms the rest of my life i'm completely fine with that dude yeah. which um, is probably like the best size it's the best really size is. dude <laughs> it's the most fun for sure uh but yeah, and I'm very thankful for like Big Loud has really let me yeah. like and Joey like just do whatever the fuck we want right. to do and turn in crazy songs and be like I want to cut this like sold out for example that um, that's the new record right yeah I mean I sent that in and I was like I would love to put out more stuff like this and Seth and Joey were like hell yeah let's yeah. do it and and that stuff's not gonna be on country radio you know what I mean and. They're okay with that. I love yeah, that. I remember you had to you you put a post out. You were putting out some merch that was diving into the into the heavy metal side. Oh, I got a lot of put, shit for that. You got some shit from the, from like his a, country people. Yeah, from like, yeah. And had, he had a to put out a post on like a stake that had like yeah. an arrowhead shoved through his head, and I had some I had some scripture post posters on, on the yeah. comments yeah. for sure. It's God country, it's, uh, baby. As, as your platform grows, you realize very quickly that you know, yeah. When you start, there's a niche following, and they. If they're, you know, if if you're not so big or so mainstream, there's those people. Those people sought you out, and they're your, they're your core fan base. But as you know, what's happened to you is just, you know, the stock rises and you reach more people. You, you realize very quickly that you got to just, you have to be you, you dude. Have, you have to be you, yeah. Because you, you end up losing yourself. You end up losing your passion for what you're doing, 
And then not only does it hurt you, but it hurts your, hurts your product. You know what I mean? And you don't need to fucking, you don't need to play to everybody. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of people out there for you. And however, that may, however big that may be is however big that may be. Yep. But you, you're able to actually have a sustainable life and outlook and enjoy going into the studio and, and making what you fucking want to make. Yeah, you know? totally, man. It's, it's very, I'm very thankful in that way. Um, yeah. Because the pressure of potentially having a record that doesn't have a radio hit and being like that is like some shit I do not want to Right, but also with. you're coming from a vantage point. This is kind of what I wanted to get to is like you're coming from an interesting vantage point because you're going into your artist career not, take, not negating that pressure completely, but you got a bunch of fucking hits. And then you can write a bunch, you can always write hits for other people yeah, where yeah. like... You know, when an artist goes into it, like, you know, one project goes by and you don't have a hit, then the pressure start, you start really feeling Dude, I know. Where you have a whole other outlet, you know, that's why your question was a good question. Yeah, it's like, you're in a cool spot, man, because even if, you know, even if you came out with a a heavy metal album and everyone got all pissed at you, (laughs) they got no idea that they're They're listening listening to God's country. They're listening to Hardy. You're still listening, motherfucker. You're listening to Hardy anyway. You're still listening, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's cool, man. It really is special. Yeah, I'm thankful for that, man. I know how hard the um, artist grind is and how competitive and just all the stars kind of have to align for, for you know, and you got to be, like, talented too, but right. for to have a break. And, yeah. dude, it's got to be terrifying to have all your eggs in one basket, man, and it not work out. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm very thankful to have a couple of different lines out, I guess. So do you enjoy living in Nashville, coming from Mississippi? Or you? Or I know you've seen this place transform a lot. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not the same city when you showed up. When did you get here? 2010. 2010. So, totally. yeah, it was It was like, I feel like 2012, 13, was like the, like the gulch was started like really blowing up and mm-hmm. just everywhere. I remember I used to live in an apartment right down the street, and at 6 p.m. I could go, I could leave my apartment, Drive to Chipotle right here and be back in like twelve minutes. Not anymore. And dude, it would take you forty-five minutes now just the to get up the, the worst. street. Yeah, it is the worst. It's the fucking it's worst. The worst. But uh, no, I enjoy it, man. Um, yeah. It's still like in the south, and not that really that that even matters. But like outside is or to be able to go hunt or fish somewhere is like fifteen minutes away. Yeah. So it's you know, and I don't. Who knows how long it remains that way? Just with no the doubt. growth, the growth that's happening. It's, yeah. It's being pushed out further and further. I'm out in Ashland right now. Oh, dude! I see. I'm not far from there. I'm in Jolton. Okay. But I'm but I'm moving. I'm li- literally earlier today was packing my shit up. We're moving in like a month. That's exciting. Um, yeah. I'm I'm I, dude. It just I have like this long, and it's not nice. It's not like that. But I, like I I have a long driveway. It's like a half a mile long, and it goes up through the woods, and then I just live like in a cabin. And dude, I loved it. It's the best. But it's become so inconvenient. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, like, I can't, I have to plan, like, my entire day and sometimes my week around leaving and going back to my house. <laughs> true. And that shit sucks. I've been here for two weeks in Ashland. Yeah. My first place here was right on fucking Broadway, and you can imagine how that went. Yeah. <laughs> nearly, I nearly died. I think I'm still trying to recover from that. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm here getting IVs every day. Yeah. Um, but, 
I mean, I, I apologize to Bobo like six times this week because I tell him I'm going to be here at 1 and I'm here at 2.15. Yeah, you just don't know. It's Dude, just, it's, yeah, it's, you do have to plan your whole fucking yeah. day. So how we're often, moving right over here. How often are you moving into, are you coming into the city? Is it a daily thing when you're uh, out there? Oh, yeah, dude. I Every single day, it's something. Okay. Um, And even if I don't have something, my fiance, we don't live together yet, so she's she lives right down here. And um, so I'm either coming in to do something with her or there's always something, but it's just always a pain. And then like during the week, you know, if I have an hour break between this thing and that thing, and I like don't. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I can't just run yeah. home and eat a bite or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Have to you're stuck. Out, man. You're recently engaged, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, happened in COVID during COVID. It was no that? 21 actually. We okay. uh, um, it was August, August 19th. Uh, so God, it's a, time, a lot of time is going by, but yeah, yeah, we're planning a wedding. We're getting married in October. Sir. Thank you, man. You've been with her for a long time. We met. Actually, what's today? <laughs> Actually, fuck, it's our anniversary. April 18th. <laughs> April 18th. Tomorrow is our, I guess it started, once you get engaged, like your dating anniversary goes away, but tomorrow would be our four-year, like, anniversary. Wow. Met her here? I met her in Oxford. She went to Ole Miss, oh. um, and I was playing Cajon for the opener, opening act. Uh, Hunter Phelps is a good buddy of mine. He's also a songwriter. He's also on fire right now, mm -hmm. um, but he's he's an artist, too. Uh, our good buddy Jameson Rogers was headlining this place called The Lyric. You might have played there before. Have you ever played no, Oxford? No. Um, and I was playing Cajon, and I met her there. She fell for a fucking Cajon player, bro. You got, I got up on that stage, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. But, yeah, we met at the show, man, and um, just hung out, went to Huddle House. She had fried pickles, and I had, like, a fried egg, and, and she dropped me off, and I didn't see her man. for, like, a I was month. Like, that's country. Yeah, exactly. She's from San Diego, though. But, uh, really? Yeah, she just wanted to go have that Southern experience. Yeah, down that's there. exactly yeah. right. Those schools, I mean, it's it's odd I haven't played that because I feel like I've touched every college town. You would crush Oxford, bro. <laughs> every college town I've, I've, I've ran through, is, I've ransacked every college community. <laughs> Literally ransacked. <laughs> I had to graduate at some point and get out of there. I was like Van Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So so you met her, she was a student there. Yeah, she was a junior and I was, I mean, we're, we're, there's a six, we have a six year. She's 25 yeah. and I'm 31 yeah. now. Um, yeah, she was uh, a student. I think she was a junior. Love it. And uh, we just stayed in touch and she came up here for her birth, for her 21st and we hung out. And then uh, like a week after that, she texted me and was like, do you want to go to a sorority formal? <laughs> and I was perfect. like that you should have got the bag got up and sang you could kill two birds with one God. I was like I mean yeah let's do it and, and uh, at this point she was 21 I was 27 yeah and I was like I remember I was writing a song and then and then uh, driving to Oxford and I got in my truck and I got on the interstate and I just remember thinking like what the fuck what the fuck am I doing <laughs> and uh but in no disrespect to her, I just, it was like, you know, yeah. I, I, I was four years removed from college right. and uh, I was like, I'm driving to Ole Miss right now to go to a sorority formal with a girl that, that it realistically I had only hung out with like three times. Yeah. But we had a very strong connection. It was one of those things. You know it's what about. I mean? And uh, anyway, dude, we, we pretty much were dating after that, that trip and it was, I had a, so much fun and it was awesome. And I had, so for like a year and a half, I kind of got to go back to college because it was more <laughs> like my artist stuff. It was like, right, I was still just a songwriter, so I could just take off every weekend and go down there. So 
I was going to Oxford every weekend and just partying. Dude. It was, I had a blast. It was really fun. The best. You yeah. didn't really get that college experience, the big college. You said you went to like a kind of community I went college. to, well, I know. When I actually went to MTSU, which is oh, right down yeah. the road, but um, I did not have that college experience, man. I, um, I at the time, was I, the entire time I was in school, I was dating a girl from Philadelphia. Um, oh, you did the long distance. Yeah. And, uh, man, I was really reclusive, kind of weird mm-hmm. kid in college. And I stayed in my room and... And um, did a bunch of Adderall and tried to learn how to write songs. So you were there. You had that mindset when you were in college. You were already kind of yeah. So once I moved, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And um, dude, it's actually a crazy story. My grandfather, um, born and raised in Philadelphia, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. has a first cousin named Dennis McCoskey. And Dennis's mom grew up in Philadelphia but married a man from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, like in the 30s or something, right? And she had Dennis and raised Dennis in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, and Dennis ended up moving to L.A. to be a songwriter, and he wrote Maniac. Mm. It was his big break. And he he, had, he wrote a bunch of pop hits in the 80s, and then he He's ended up... Maniac, yeah. Maniac. Sheesh. And, um, yeah. And then, so... When I was growing up, when I was a little kid, I always knew that I had this cool cousin that was a hit songwriter, and he was this cool guy. And uh, he had moved to Nashville like in the 90s. He had some country hits as a writer, so he was very successful. Mm-hmm. And my last year at MTSU, um, I was putting like fucking Amos Lee covers and like just random songs on YouTube, like video on my webcam. This was 2000. 12 right so that was still like it yeah, was kind of before the you were, boom YouTube, of you were like, youtube and before YouTube. yeah 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 and we did um, the same thing so i remember posting one and, and dennis wrote on my facebook wall and was like hey man been keeping up with you like come by if you want to ever like hang out and i knew that like he lived here and that but i didn't know if that he was like signing writers i didn't know like i, I was still kind of really green right so i went to his house and played him everything i had written which at the time was probably like 15 songs and um long story short he signed me a year later and i still i write for him to this day i've got a couple years left uh on my deal with him but mm-hmm. anyway it was a so we're family he's literally my third cousin wow and um he so half of his family is from philadelphia mississippi it's a crazy it thing crazy. and we've now started a company together called relative music and uh, we've signed a couple dudes, and it's wild, man. So it's like really a cool. production, like a publishing company, yeah. signing writers and producers yep. and shit. Yeah, wow, it's really cool. Love it. He's a great so guy. So I was gonna ask back when you're talking about mom and mom and dad, and mm-hmm. is that were mom and dad? You know, were they playing music all the time in the house? I know your sister was. Yeah, was a big music background in the family. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was rock and roll for my dad, uh, and he's, he's and that rubbed off on you, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were a very, very musical family. Like we didn't, you know, it wasn't like what's the movie, uh, Step Brothers. It wasn't like that shit. Like, <laughs> bring us home, bring yeah. us home. Yeah. <laughs> but um, big music family. Always music playing in the house. Um, my mom played piano. We had a piano in our house. She would she would sing, sing in church. My sister would sing in church, and it was just there was always we always listened to the radio going down the road. It was, mm-hmm. Music was like other than like god and church growing up music was like 
by far the most important thing. And we bonded over music as a family. And like when American Idol came out, like every we watched every episode together. Mm. It was always music. It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know how how reflective you are on stuff like this, but just you think about you know obviously your balls deep and and, and established and and <laughs> as I make a serious point, yeah, <laughs> nailed your it. balls deep and and just being who you are now. And this is this is you know you've kind of blossomed into what's happening in your life. Do you ever kind of reflect on the past? And it's interesting. <laughs> obviously, we don't nature not you know we don't choose our parents. We don't choose the families we're born into, but. As you get older and you develop, I mean, if, if you hope, you hope most people feel this way. I know, I know it doesn't come to fruition for everybody in that way, but it's incredible how, I know I've been this way, just you reflect on your upbringing and the family you're born into and no doubt. the impact that it has on your being, who you are. It's literally, you're literally a part of them and, and bringing them with you on this journey. It's pretty, it's pretty wild to see everyone. I didn't really have it. You know, that's why I asked that question is, I'm jealous of people that grew up because we didn't. We were sports, you know, like right. it was all sports. Didn't have that music presence at all, so I felt like it's I got. It's funny. My, that's a lot of families, though, right? Ooh, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wish I, bro. I wish I had it. I wish I had that. Just, bro. I wish I could play fucking guitar. Yeah. I wish someone would have forced me. Yeah, you guys are sports too. Your I wish they would have forced just right? like forced me, like, bro. Like you're five five. Like <laughs> you're not. Bro, you're not going. It's to the not happening. Let it go. <laughs> and I just didn't get that, man. I wish I had piano or guitar, and I got to start and fucking start late, and it sucks. Yeah. There are times, though, like, that, because my mom especially, like, she knows everybody that I know, and she knows what I'm doing and where I'm going to be before I do. <laughs> and there are times, like, Hunter Phelps, I was telling you about my buddy, he's like, dude, I, my parents don't know shit. If I didn't tell them that I, that I didn't have this song on the radio and that song, they would have no idea. And there are, like, just some sometimes where I... I kind of wish that like I would get to tell them like big news and stuff like that but they know shit before I do I love that but uh That's no funny. I think about it all the time man about just all like everything like and how they taught me to be and how like I don't know everything from work ethic to right, right and wrong and all that shit and then and, and infusing that with music and dude I I, I think about it all the time same I love stories of like people's kind of like the alchemist shit like your mm -hmm. journey and like i'm always obsessed with how you know we have free will uh but how everything mm -hmm. seems so predetermined mm -hmm. even though like based on really small decisions like deciding to drive to nashville to hang out with my bingo sister because yep. that if that and that was decided a day before we left yep like that it's, this could have never happened yeah. Yeah, you're 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 barking right up the right tree on this one. Uh, I talk about intuition all the time, and and there was this quote I heard. It was like, um, you know, prayer is talking to God, and intuition is Him talking back. And, oh wow, dude, you, that's an awesome quote. You could, probably, you could probably write that song. Yeah, that's like right cool. now in your head. <laughs> He's already got it. I'm gonna get uh, out of here real quick. <laughs> I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but that that when i when someone said that to me um changed the way i look at life forever and try to i almost as that that's the compass you know that intuitive feeling even just to go down to that fucking formal and you're like the fuck am i doing uh-huh yeah and and dude i mean it was you're right and that was so unlike me to take a huge like risk like that, and yeah, I, if you didn't I feel did it, it in your gut, like yeah, if you didn't feel yeah, if you didn't feel something in your gut about her 
There's no way you're going to that. Right? No doubt. You know what I mean? Like if some random, uh, you know, oh, I, I like her. I just met her. No, no way. Not, something I mean, brought you there though, you know? Yeah, 100%. Exactly. I love this. Sh- I could talk about this shit for yeah. fucking Well, days. bro, like the, the even the fact that like, when I up and moved to Los Angeles, like there was nothing on my radar about, about leaving. Right. I was, bro, I was like, I just enrolled in a second semester at a different school back in Omaha because I flunked out there. I was just like, I got to find, you know, I got to clean it up. Right. Like, I got to pull it together. Right. And I'm on spring break and my buddy calls me and he's doing well in Los Angeles. And he's like, bro, you should come visit me. Yeah. And, you know, I was spring break drunk, you know. I got Nashville drunk. <laughs> Those are the best break. decisions yeah. when you make the spring break. Yeah, I'm spring break drunk. You booked the, you booked the vacation yeah. on spring break. Yeah, <laughs> you booked the next trip. Yeah, so he's like, yo. <laughs> so he, he tells me, he's like, yo, come visit me. And, and, and I knew, like, we hung up, whatever. I went about my spring break, and, like, I knew for some reason he wasn't telling me to come visit. Like, it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Just like I knew he wasn't. He and never went When home. I got home uh, to Omaha, he calls me, and he's like, yo, like, um, I booked your flight. Like, I was faded, but I booked your flight. Like, it's tomorrow. <laughs> and he's like, it's a one-way. Just like, if, if you ever, like, you know, if you want to leave and you're over it, like, just, just let me know, and I'll, I'll, Whoa, send, you, I'll send you back home. Right. And I, I go to my dad, and I was like, I was like, yo, uh, Sammy Wilk just called me, and he's like, he's gonna fly me out there to la mm-hmm. said to just come visit or, but i was like i don't think uh i don't know i don't think i should i don't think i should like come home man like yeah he's like fuck bro i don't think you should either like right. get out of here like what are you gonna do just flunk another semester absolutely and, you know i had a uh he knew it was time for me to do something i, was, I didn't wow. know and it wasn't music yet either like i was just yeah. going there yeah going, and then, going to be somewhere else yeah, yeah i was like well bro it wasn't gonna work for me no more right the, that style of, of life i just yeah, I wasn't. I was never ending circle. Yeah, Absolutely. it was just I wasn't gonna do well at it, and I felt like I could figure something out. So I mean, I was 21, hadn't ever made a song in my life. I had time. I was a baseball player. I had a Tommy John surgery on my elbow. I was a pitcher. Uh, are you a pitcher? Yeah. Are you lefty or righty? Righty. Righty. And uh, shit, couldn't couldn't fucking travel with the team for about 16 months. So Damn. fired up Garage Band. Started fucking making little ideas on, uh, cause I was the kid on the team that could just freestyle and shit. Like, yeah, I was a like drunk. it was funny at the time or fun. Oh, dude, even yeah. the what year was this? In, like... this was 2011. Okay, or 2010, maybe 20. What are you? Thirty? What are you? I'm 33. 33. So no, I, when I when I made my first even just joke Garage Band song, I was 20 years old, um, and I mean, dude, I was I had zero intention of. Uh, like I thought it was more or less just kind of like something to pass the time. Show my your buddies, buddies when, and shit. Yeah, when my buddies get back from the. So I lived in a house full of baseball guys. They all go to play at the weekend series at Clemson. I remember like it was yesterday. And I made this song called College Humor. It was one of the first songs I ever did, you know. I was Mike Stud. Yeah. And, and that's even how the name came about. It was just like a. It was a. Like I was Mike Stud to the teammates. Long story. Ah, uh, okay. So Mike Stud, So I went to Duke right after the Duke lacrosse scandals. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. So. I get there and they're super, they're super, uh, super sensitive as a, as a, just a student body, especially the athletes. Like after that or just in general? after, because I would, they were, I mean, talk about balls deep. They were balls deep in, in controversy. Um, and very, maybe every, <laughs> talk about balls deep. Balls deep. Balls deep is the name of this podcast. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I get there and they're like, Hey man, y'all can't have, social media like we're we're dealing with people who are they're friending they're friending like duke athletes and then you know posting their pictures on the internet mm. like underage drinking trying to get them in trouble yeah, you know yeah, there's yeah. this whole thing nice. so i ended up just being mike stud because the baseball team went with porn names as with our real initials <laughs> so so my real initials were ms and mike stud was just a winner 
Yeah. So wow. we, would, we would call each other by our Facebook names around our coach because he was a fucking hard ass, and he would have been pissed if he knew we had a uh, we we were going around the rules. Right. Right. So when I made that record, I mean, I think about intuition all the time now because I don't know what the hell called me to do that. You know, like nothing, not not one inkling, one percent of me felt like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and have a music career, or do anything of the sort. You know, it's just all intuitive. And since then, I feel like I try to. I try to let that steer the ship. Yeah, like you do just kind of live your life 100%. I have this theory. We just talked about this because I'm late every day to come here for treatment. And I try to rationalize to myself. I have this theory about time. Essentially, like, it's tied to our intuition dialogue. But essentially, like, if you take a, if you take a right out of your house okay. or you take a left out of your house, there's two totally different things that could happen. You take a right, you might meet your wife. You take a left, a left, you might get in a car accident going, right. to get a, going to get a coffee, you know? So when I think about, when I think about time and where, being where you're supposed to be, if I'm rushing, like this is, this is a crutch for me because I'm always late, so I'm trying to make myself feel better about it. But if I'm rushing around and I'm in a bad vibe and I'm rushing trying to get somewhere, I usually feel like I'm ending up, I'm not right where I'm supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like there's, a, there's, a, there's an element to it where, you know, I'm in flow in a sense, you know what I mean? But yeah. in regards to time and being in the right place, you're, you've got to be right where you're supposed to be at all times. You think about it, three seconds go by, you, something bad could happen if you're in this spot, or if you're a minute later, something good could happen, you know? Yeah. So that's wow. kind of how I look at even, even down to that. Now, again, it's probably a crutch because I'm always late and I feel bad about <laughs> it. But at the same time, I kind of look at it that way, you know, like following your intuition to a fucking T, actually yeah. using it as the compass of everything you're doing at all times. That's interesting. It almost like uh, the opposite of that is like Murphy's Law a little yeah, bit, right? Absolutely. Like if you're, if if you are in a hurry, you are going to hit every red light. Kind of exactly. Thing. Exactly. That's kind of wild. Yeah. So when I'm late, that's basically what I. That's the spiel I go with. That's. <laughs> sorry, bro. I'm just. Uh, no, that's. I'm just good. listening to my intuition. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I read a um, similar to that, but I was thinking about like, kind of like our butterfly effects stories of like making one decision right. dude i read this crazy um theory on the kardashians mm -hmm. about that in the 90s or was it the 80s what was the oj thing anyone he played for, when did he play for the bills okay so they and i'm gonna get this wrong but they the bills were in the playoffs and he got thrown a potential game-winning touchdown pass, yep. and he dropped it. Okay, then he got traded to what? The Raiders? Was it? Where did he go? Raiders? 49ers? I don't know. I'm sorry. Sorry, OJ. I know you're watching this. Sorry, OJ. Whoever it was, he dropped that pass. Bills are out of the playoffs. He gets traded to the California team, whoever that is, uh, and then all the shit happens, right? And Kardashian represents him in court. That's what blew him up so that when Kim was on that video, that blew her up, blah, blah, blah. The theory is if O.J. Simpson would have caught that pass, the, the Kardashian. Kardashian empire could have never been a Don't thing exist. because he wouldn't have got traded to the California team or however that worked out. Genius. I didn't make, I didn't make that up. or but I saw it somewhere. But. So you're just reading literature in your free time about the Kardashians. Kind of, dude, yeah. <laughs> I had you all wrong. <laughs> but I love shit like that. Yeah, man. no, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Let's dial it back, though. I want to dial back into what's happening now for you. 
Tell us about tour, and, and I know you've been, what, we've been with Dirk, Dirks for a while now. You, you've been opening, for, did the FGL as well? I did, yeah, I did um, Aldine in the fall. That was the, my first, like, big uh, direct spot. And then uh, I'm with Wallen now, and I've been with him, shit, really since November, and we're going till, I think, like, the end of September. Right. Dude, it's... That boy's on a spaceship. Bro, it's so fun right now, man. Like, the show's... Are it's an, it's just another level. Another level. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I've never seen people react to somebody. I've never been to a Garth show, but everybody says that it's like that. But Garth played the other night, right? Yeah, he played yeah. the stadium. Yeah. Um, dude, it's so fun, and his fans are like beyond diehard. Oh my god! And the, and we share a ton of fans. He yeah. obviously has way more, but. We we share a lot Allegedly. of fans, and so <laughs> Allegedly. I got you. Um, yeah, dude. So I mean, it just it translates really well, and yeah. and uh, it's awesome. It's Man, the shows situation. are freaking Bananas. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I haven't been yet. I um, heard you guys have uh, like an unbelievable show. Like a lot of my buddies lately, they've been telling me you guys are just fucking out of bounds, and it's just like <laughs> it's too fun, man. Yeah. We treat it like a uh, rock I gotta, show. Yeah, I got to sure. get to them. Don't have to. Man. Yeah, I'm coming. We're doing. I, I can't guess, get. I can't get Mike out of the fucking yoga studio. But you live. You're like. You're <laughs> here, here. Are you here? Here now? Not yeah. I'm. I'm like nomadic. Technically, All right. I like now. that. Respect. So since I was in LA for six years, probably four years too long, um, and you know the way I make music, I, I make it. I'm just like, even if I have a house with a studio in it, I got a studio in my bed, my bedroom. That's mm -hmm. just the way I like to make it. Not just dig into. Your I own learned deal. how to record myself and do it all. You right. know, so until it's ready for mix or a master, I could do it all there. So, and I do it alone, you know? So yeah. that's just the way, that's what works for me the best. So for me, like staring at the same wall or even the same view, I started to kind of take inventory of that. Like, man, when I went and recorded in other places, it brought out a whole other thing, you know? Like, right. and you start thinking about, you know, the intuition when I talk about, like I really truly subscribe to it completely. So I'll be, a week from now, I'll be like, we don't have a plan where we're living yet. We'll, we'll source a house somewhere cool. Just make sure that yeah. if I'm spending, I'm not, I'm not a flashy dude at all. Like, I'm, not, I'm driving a fucking Jeep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, but I, I'm spending on nice homes with a nice view and a nice area so I could fucking take that inspiration in. Yeah, you know? dude. And it's, it's, it's just what, what works for me, you know? So when COVID happened, I dipped out of LA and I've just been going places two to three months at a time, you know? And then as soon as it gets dry... Start moving. I start looking and. Start That's moving. cool, man, dude. What a what a cool way to live. I mean, are you single? Yeah, well, that's, uh, that helps too. Debatable. Ah, <laughs> well, it's debatable. Single enough. Yeah, single single enough right now. Single, Def not looking. She's yeah, not looking at all. She's she's in Europe. Okay, she's cool. European. So it's pretty pretty difficult. That's why I latched onto your long your long distance mention earlier because I'm trying <laughs> well, to, I'm trying, guess, to trying to understand how to do it. Well, that that but that gives you the. I guess freedom, that's not Absolutely. the right word, but to yeah. do what kind of bounce Absolutely. around. Yeah. And, cool. and, and I look at it like this, like how, how long am I going to be in this window where this is cool and this could work? Yeah. You know, with my buddies working and traveling with me, they're going to have families at some point. You know, we're not exactly spring chickens. You know Dude, what I mean? So no, I hate that. I Mike's hate been sending me happening. out in the battlefield. Yeah, I, I, I hung up. They're slowly raising my party, my party jersey. Into the rafters. up in the rafters and I'm hand, passing the baton to him. Yeah. He's out uh, on my behalf. Are you, hitting, are you hitting that that time? I've, yeah. I have definitely hit it. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I could not be more okay with it. 
that's what we were just talking about. I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. Seems like the big loud boys are just kind of all kind of a, a conglomerate here on this. We're kind of all cleaning up our acts. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan, I know Morgan is. I know Earn, a guy who is a fucking goddamn savage. Like, <laughs> I brought him on tour with me in, what, 2018, Kilmer? I think it was 18, yeah. Yeah, bro, yeah like late 20. And he was like not even earnest yet. Yeah, he no, like he was earnest, snow. He was snow in Ernest, very, very Ernest short K. run with Ernest K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on our tour bus, I remember telling him, like, I was trying to tell him he needs to either be Ernest or Ernie, because I loved Ernie. Ernie yeah. would have been awesome. He's such an Ernie. Ernie would have been awesome. But he's an Ern, too, yeah. you know, it works. But, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, it's it's uh, it's crazy to see him in this phase, having a kid and, and just cleaning it up, knowing how wild and how fun, yeah. you know. It's, it's dude. good. Talk about it a little bit. I know, so... I've talked about it a lot, and these guys, I'm an outlier in my group. They all think I'm a pansy, because I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> they're all going out five nights a week. I'm like, see you guys tomorrow morning. Um, I'm getting voice memos from Mike at, you know, one in the morning. He's just finished up his third round of yoga. Hey, buddy, uh, you're going to have to lock it up pretty soon. <laughs> I'm worried about you. I'm somehow and he's not wrong, and he's not wrong. I'm transitioning into the disappointed dad. Yeah, he's like, I, I see it when I, I stumble in the house. He's getting the water. I'm just like, I'm trying to play it cool. <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally the parent in the house. I don't know how it happened. I used to be a fucking wild motherfucker too, but it's the right time. It's uh, I try to, I try to explain this and just like, as an artist, you don't go anywhere. We're we're in a we're in a drinking culture, touring artists like yourself. You're in a drinking culture, twenty four fucking. You can't seven. get away with, from it unless you switch careers. And you have to just make this decision like you're making, where it's just like, you know what? No, I'm just not gonna do it. You know yeah. what I mean? So. You said you drank the other night. You're still kind of, you'll pick and choose a spot. That's kind of right where I am, too. Yeah. I'm just over it, man. I mean, I look back on from 21. <laughs> Commercial break. Uh, from, Sheesh. like, age 21 to, like, now. Like, that. this past decade, dude, I had so much fun. And I did everything that I wanted to do as far as partying. You drank every drink. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That yep. might be a, that might be another song for you as well. That's actually pretty Tap good. Tap me in. I'm about to move here. Pretty I say soon. drop a word, take a third in Nashville, dude. Yeah, come on. Let me. <laughs> I need a number one. Come on. Hardy will turn it into yeah, a number one. I swear to God. What he does. But uh, ex kind of talk a little bit. We were talking off screen. Talk a little bit about just, you know, I think a lot of people want to wonder about this. I used to have the same feeling. Like, I just felt like I was. It, it slowly turned into a feeling of slight entrapment if that makes any sense, just slightly entrapped by this, the scenario. And again, using it as a crutch, like, this is what I do, you right. know? But my intuition's telling me, man, stop fucking doing it. You know, yeah. and, then I, and once I have four drinks, it turns into 35. You can't, I mean, it's everybody's different, right? But that sounds like we're the same. I can't, there's no way that I can hit like a great buzz and be like, you know what, this is good. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, take it to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> let this wear off and go to bed. Like that's never happened to me ever once in my entire life. It's a another, drink till failure. That's another song. You never want to waste a buzz. Yeah. Once you establish a good buzz, you don't want to waste it. No, no, you don't want to waste it. And we'll, uh, we'll drink until failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, honestly, I was inspired by Earn and uh, Morgan, and I've taken breaks before. Uh, just a guy told me once just to make sure you can, you know, take a couple weeks off. Absolutely. But, dude, I, I went, I just went, like, four weeks, and we had a show in Phoenix at Country Thunder outside of Phoenix. Yep. And uh, it was a big festival show. And that was going to be my first, and it was my first, like, sober show in a really long time. And I was nervous and went out there, and I had the best time, and I was present, and I remembered all of it, mm -hmm. and I was looking at people and interacting with people and smiling, 
and laughing and it was real and none of it was synthetic. And uh, I don't know, it kind of has flipped a switch. Um, we got all types of... We got raccoons. Yeah, yeah we, we got, got some in the rafters. Um, and, you know, actually, so I've played four shows since then. So I did that one. And then I hit my mark where I was like, okay, this was the day that I said, you know, I was going to go to uh, for not drinking. And so then the next show after that, I had two beers and like two shots before the show. Not like... Not like in a thirty second span, yeah. but over the course of like panic, thirty minutes or so. Panic drinks, right? And I and I did the show, and I hated it. And that was the first buzz that I had gotten in about a month. And I was like, "Wow, foggy." And the show was fine, but I was uncomfortable and felt like I wasn't myself. So then the next night, I was like, "You know what? I'm I'm going to not drink again." And I did it, and it was I loved it. So I think. Proof is in the experience. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, I shotgun a beer at the end of every show, and I think that might be, for a while, might be the first time I drink on stage every night because I've, I've really been enjoying being present, with, like hosting the party, you know what I mean? Yeah. And being the responsible 100%. person to make sure that everybody is taken care of. And, dude, it's just there's something about it, man, being there with everybody and enjoying the experience with everyone as opposed to, being kind of sloppy drunk and running around. It's mm -hmm. just, I don't know, there's something about it I really, really like. Yeah, being present is a good word. I yeah. Say. What do we have to pay you to turn that shotgun into a chug butt on stage? <laughs> as long as it's a bush light, dude, I'll do it. Man. Yeah. Come I on. see that we, you're one of the first guys we did a little the chug yeah. butt collab with. Yeah. We did the Hicks tape thing, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was sick. Dude, and it was awesome. Love it. Yeah, it's uh, when you talk about nerves and we think, you know, thinking about your start and how you never really felt like you were going to be on stage. What the fuck was going on in your head when it started to turn into that? Did you did you resent it, or did you did you start to really get fired up and cherish it, or was it at what where where in that sphere of emotions were you on when you first started really having to get up there and fucking sing and be vulnerable and be on stage in front of people? Man, I got I loved it, dude. I, my first show ever was uh, we did a I just put out an EP like in early October 2018. And we had a hearty Halloween show at FGL House. Packed it out. It was all industry people, right? Nobody knew who I was. Um, but we packed it out, uh, you know, three or 400, just industry people. It was just like a big party. Yeah. And uh, again, I said this earlier, but I felt like I was kind of thrown to the wolves of like, get up there and fucking do it, dude. You know, and I don't know, man. I, I enjoyed it. That the My favorite part of all of it is the 45 to 90 minutes of being on stage. And I'm, I, it's I've let it become like an outlet for me. Like I'm a very chill dude for the most part, mm -hmm. and I feel like when I get on stage, it's a good time to get all of the yeah. emotion that I you know I hold not say hold inside, but it just right. I get it all out, man, really, really. And, and I use that as a an outlet to just kind of get everything out and. And uh, so I don't know, man. The, the performing part of it, I've I've been in love with since the very beginning. It just, it's, I love it. Talk I mean, about intuition. Yeah. I mean, if you if you get up there and you don't, you feel like shit and you feel out of place. That's your intuition's way of saying this ain't it. Yeah. No, you're you know, definitely it right, like you man. The exact opposites, and that, I I can't relate anymore. I mean, for somebody, I I never had music in me at all. But even the music sucked, and I had about two or three songs. I still fucking. You talk about time going by, time flies when you're having fun. I get yeah. up on stage and everything else disappears in your head. It's almost like 
getting in a freezing cold water and you can't think about anything else. That's what cold therapy is about. Right. Like, you know, for depression, anxiety, people do that type of stuff. Cold, cold exposure to kind of you shock your system and you're it's it clears your fucking head because you're just focused on surviving, you know? Yeah. It feels like that almost for me when I get on stage. It, you kind of forget everything else that's going on in life and you can just fucking you can No let doubt. It hang, let it hang out. And you know what's funny is that one show that I drank and I didn't feel good, I noticed that a three or four songs before the end, I had the thought of like, I'm ready for this to be done. Wow. And just that, that the show, you know, and the three other sober shows that I did, I didn't want to leave. And I don't know why drinking had something to do with that, but. Uh, cool realization. Dude, it was awesome. Like I genuinely walking off the stage, like had FOMA. I was like, I want to play five more songs because I was having so much fun. Wow. It's really cool. Really cool. So how often when you're on stage, when you, you have, because I, I, I can fucking relate to it. How often do you think, like, especially when you're opening these big arena shows, and I know it's a whole other beast when you're, one, you're playing, you're playing to a crowd that's there, and yes, you're on the bill and you got your own fans there, but there's another, there's a, there's another guy, another act to follow, right? How often are you having those experiences in your head or those thoughts in your head, like, I want to get the hell off the stage? Is it, is it, a, is it a, frequent, a frequent thing or is it kind of just few and far in between? It's definitely happened before. Yeah. I have them. Um, but, dude, I, I, it, it depends on the setting, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. um, but thankfully, like, the shows have been so fun in the past year, year and a half, mm -hmm. especially, you know, actually building a fan base that it hadn't happened in a while, man. And, and not that it ever is, like, I'm always, like, grateful, like, right, right. grateful to be there. right. Uh, it's, 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 there's extenuating circumstances too. There's so many, you're a human being and there's all these other things happening in your well, ecosystem. You could be tired, you had a long travel day, you exactly. slept. And I mean, there's just, we're Why all still humans, you, bro. You know, yeah. something. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there's definitely been times where like, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get a shower after this and just go to bed or whatever it is. But yeah, man, recently I've just been really lucky. The shows and the fans have been so awesome that. Yeah, just don't want to leave. Yeah. When uh, talk about the uh, talk about arenas real quick, and and I know you're you're gonna be going to fucking stadiums soon with Morgan, right? Or playing some of these stadium shows with him. Do, definitely doing like some big sheds, and we are doing a stadium show. I can't remember. I can't remember a stadium date. When you know you're busy. <laughs> Did you just say shed? <laughs> like like uh, amphitheaters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, is... not like actual. No, I know. I just it's a hard. I love that you hard way to say that. Yeah, I loved hearing that. Yeah. I knew what you were talking about. I was just like, that's hard. <laughs> uh, that's tough. Yeah, um, I think I can't. I think we're doing a thing like late this summer or something like that. And I can't talk about it, but I think I'm, I'm I might be doing some stadium shows next year. Amazing. Not not as a headliner, but with right. Some so, I'm not. How, what does that feel like getting out on stage in front of that many people? Have is there even is there even you know, because you talk about the 3,000-person shows, we kind of agreed, like, that's, like, the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. How uh, how would you compare it? Now, I know it's probably a different... Is it a different sensation for you when you get in front of that many people? Or is it kind of the same thing, just, just a lot more eyes on you, but the same experience you're having? Getting out there... I, I, I just... One of those... I like to talk about this with people who share big stages or get on big stages. And this could be with athletes or whatever. When you, 
it's a really interesting thing. We talk about reflection and reflecting on your life and what, what's going on. And then you're, I know you're a really even keel guy and humble. And that's what I love about, especially the country guys, just really <laughs> don't take themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome. And it's the way I try to be, you know, but you do something in life. You talk about there's 8 billion fucking people on the planet and you, and you, you found this, this calling that you're, that you're just so good at that gets to a point where there's, you're going to places and there's fucking goddamn 30,000 people watching you do, do your thing. Um, and I don't, you know, talking numbers wise, this is the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the world. Right. You can even fathom, you know, what that may feel like, you know, put us there for you, or at least in your experience, um, just what that feels like. And is, is it any different than getting up on stage and playing the, that thousand person or Dude, even that? I- I think it's very different. Now, with Morgan specifically, his fans are so awesome that a lot of the arenas we play feel like you're just playing a big club show, you know? Because they're, they're, they're singing along. Right. They're all on their feet. Like, But, dude, and I feel like any artist in town would say that the energy in the most fun shows are headlining Anywhere from a thousand to a five thousand cap room. Mm-hmm. They're nothing. I mean, you you we talked about That's it. That's where I'm at. You can't beat it, dude. Yeah. Every I mean, and and like there is a sweet spot of like when you're really selling them out and selling them out fast. Like those are the fans, dude. There's the nobody that walked up and was like, yeah, I know one beer. You know, there's it, the people know the shit and and like there's not nothing beats that to me. And the, the arena shows are awesome. And then you get to amphitheaters. And there's a small pit, and then there's seat, seated, you know, like seats, and then there's the lawn, and that's a little bit tougher because like the really drunk, crazy fans are out at the lawn, and you almost wish that it was reversed. Reverse, and the exactly. stage is at the top, and yep. you're playing backwards. But, um, yeah, dude, nothing beats the clubs to me. I mean, I, I, I would love to, um, you know, I obviously would love to get, you know, to be able to do like an arena tour and all that, and and hopefully that'll happen one day. But I. I want to always be able to go back, and even if it's four or five shows a year or a charity thing or whatever, yeah, go hit some club shows. you from doing that, right? Dude, 100%. You can do it all anytime, right? 100%. Those, yeah. You just can't beat the energy. I mean, there's nothing better. It's, it's, it's the, best, the best shows are the, the club shows. So how competitive of, are you of a guy in regards to you got 11 number ones, you know, um, you come from a place, a conservative place, you know, growing up where you grow up and almost not even ever seeing this happen for yourself and then it's happening and you're kind of one of those you know we talk about the songwriting community one of those guys when people hear it like that guy he's got the sauce you know like how is there a competitive spirit in you right now that wants to go on and write fucking 40 more 100 percent. yeah it's cool and it's not it's not even uh competitive with other people like i'm not trying to beat yeah, yeah. Everybody around me. I, that's one of the cool things about Nashville is everybody roots Everyone's everybody. so cool. Um, but yeah, dude, who doesn't want to be the best? Yeah. I mean, there are people. There, there that's are people. Well, it's not even about being the best. It's just more so like, you know, when you think about goals and you think about just like, hey, like I get to a certain amount of money where I want to go out, like especially the country guys, I feel like there's so just like, that you know they're not necessarily needing mansions and private jets everywhere, and right. you're making a bunch of money, and it's mailbox money. Send them out, send it out, go out to the fucking long driveway, drive down to the mailbox, get your check, and fucking go hunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I wonder. I wondered. I, I wanted to ask that question just because you know 
I feel like it's, but there, you, you put it a good way. There's, there's a competitive spirit in just being great for yourself. Mm -hmm. And at that, so do you, you don't feel like with the success you've had, you've even come close to arriving. You feel like you're just kind of. I don't know if I ever will. Yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, I heard stories about like Michael Jackson that like he, Thriller had to be turned in and he was like, it's not done. And they were like, it's done. And it was Thriller. Now we're going to sell 18 billion records. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think a lot of artists, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if there will ever, ever be a moment where I will say like, I'm done or like I've made it or like whatever. Right. It's just, I want to. It's part of why you're great. You know what I mean? The, if, the lack of complacency. Just, yeah, I think, I think like, yeah, definitely always thinking that there's more or some better out there for yourself and more you can do. And like every project, you know, in my head, I want it to be better than the last. And that's probably not, you know, realistic, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to be, I don't ever want to stop and I don't ever want to think like this is it. This is as good as it's going to be. We just, we just talked about this concept on, uh, on bussing with um, <clears throat> that, that McConaughey, uh, acceptance speech that he had oh, he yeah. said my hero my heroes me in 10 years and i'm never gonna get there but you know i'm gonna keep chasing it right it's, it's kind of what it is right, right. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and but it's a fine line because i see you have you know you read the alchemist and those types of things move you there's a there's some there there's this other quote i just read in a book that i that really moved me and and i asked the question because i have i have feelings about what i really want or how i see my life going is this just a chapter in my life? You know, what are the other things I want to do? It's part of why I want to put down partying a little bit. I don't want to be defined by that. And sure. you know, I want I want to have a family and, and have other human experiences. Like, I feel like I'm losing, I'm like aging backwards. Cause like, I got people that do shit for me. Like shit that you're supposed to do as a man. I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I go through that too, like paying your bills and shit. But. Yeah, there's aspects of it. I mean, no one's really fired up to pay their own bills, but you know what I mean? Like shit around the house and, and you know just the things the things that kind of make you feel like a man yeah you know um but there was a quote is about you know i have something that he'll never have and it was a story about this this multimillionaire who really was dying to be a billionaire he came from india came from a really poor family nothing went on to make a hundred million dollars ended up going to jail for 40 years for insider trading after having a hundred million dollars oh wow and wow someone said I'll have something he'll never have, and it's enough. Hmm. Wow. You know, and something I think about because I, I felt that's where I had like a bit of a spiritual shift where I started to kind of think more about, less about life is about winning all the time and acquiring and getting and getting and getting, you know, like getting something from life. And I, I asked myself if I, if I would ever be able to have enough. You know, and, and that's something I try to put my attention on now as, as I get older is just like, yeah, I will never, you know, ironically, when I had this discussion and this internal dialogue, I actually got more successful once I stopped caring about the results, you know, and detaching from the results and attach, you know, detaching from the need to win. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm working any less or working any less yeah. hard. I'm just being who, exactly who I'm supposed to be. And, and I'm following my intuition and it's telling me to get in there and write songs and I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know, I, I like to ask that question with guys who have a lot, you know, whether not even money, just have a lot going on and, and are, are bringing, actualizing a lot of their dreams, you know, where, where, where do you, where do you draw the line or is there even a line to draw? 
I don't know. You know, it's just a dialogue I have with myself, but I try to get an understanding of the guys I have sit down here because everyone, everyone I sit down with has some success in some way, you know, and I love to understand how they're interpreting it because I think when people have dreams and they don't achieve it and they look at people who are achieving their dreams, they think it's all, they think, oh, it must be incredible to achieve your dreams. Yes, yeah. you know, it is, but it, it comes with a whole other set of circumstances and set of, um, I guess, inquiries about life and what, what, what it really is about, you know what I mean? So when, when you look at your life, um, that's something I like to ask guys, just like, what is it really about? You have just a passion for music, right? So you feel like you'll never stop writing songs, even, right. you know, that's just, it's just you. Right. Right. And that's, and that's kind of your compass for it, more or less. You'll stop writing songs when you don't fucking feel like it anymore. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, yeah, man, I, I think a lot of that just revolves around happiness, right? Right. And uh, for me, I mean, that's kind of similar to your deal where, like, I don't know where things are going to go or whatever, but at the end of the day, I want to always be happy and content, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't always coincide with wanting to be the best or whatever, but right. they're almost two different lanes for me. I think my biggest thing is, some sense of normalcy because I grew up very normal and I I'll still always feel like I'm very normal. Right. So like being close with my family, right. my fiance, having a family and going to the fucking grocery store and buying my own groceries and going on vacations and doing all that, uh, I think is something that I'd want to always be consistent. Right. Um, because I think that's going to, that being grounded in that way is going to, is going to, allow me to be the most content with my life it's it, it almost is it like my career is almost like a completely different lane mm. and me being content i think my thought process it it revolves more around a normal life and, and having a sense of normalcy as opposed totally. to like the crazy career stuff i relate 100 percent. it's wild how that works right absolutely it's fucking crazy absolutely yeah so tell us about life now we'll wrap up here or close to it tell what, what do you have what do you have on the docket you're moving into a new house with the wifey yeah uh let's not overlook that that's a big step dude super exciting we're getting married in october um Great. just touring this year i'm gonna put out uh i'm putting out new music um at the end of the summer that i'm really excited about a lot of more of the heavier rock stuff sick trying to play a lot of golf uh this guy can swing it right here really oh yeah i'm here man you let me know have you played with Ern yet uh top golf that doesn't count. He don't want it though. I can already tell. <laughs> he doesn't want it. He don't want it. I, I, I'm sure he's got game, but I'm, I'm taking. <laughs> I'm have to get you out here with the boys. You I'm play here, a lot man. of golf, yeah? Or yeah. You, you've done playing less? You said. Uh no, I mean I try to play once a week. Um, yeah, that's plenty. Of you go to the Troubadour or where? Uh, all over. Kind of wherever. I, I don't play Troubadour a lot so far, and uh, even though not so much recently, but I, I just it's such a far drive, man. And you get out there and you drink and like. You know, I, oh yeah. Then getting back into town, and you can't really Uber there and back. But dude, uh, anywhere I play, uh, there's a lot of great public courses. Not even like Muni courses, but like just good public courses. The Hermitage out at um, Hermitage is crazy. The President's man. course is probably the first the place best I one. played out here. Who's, man? The cool, who's the coolest guy you played golf with? Uh, <laughs> Peyton Manning. Sick. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> 
That's hard. And, and, I, and that's he can play. Hard. Peyton can play too, from what I know. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he can play um, the game. I I, just, dude, I just got to play Augusta, man. I, I have to you did say not it. Get yeah. To play and I played with like him and, and his two oh. brothers. It was fucking wild. How'd bro. that happen? They're fans? I mean, yeah, and and crazy enough, their mom is from Arch Archie's wife is from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Wow. Ah. And so I've all and they have a cabin at the fair. Ah, right across full circle, full circle, full circle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> and um, so we've always known of each other. And uh, dude, he texted me like two months ago, out of the blue, three weeks prior to the round, and just said, "Hey, dude, this is Peyton Manning. Do you want to come play Augusta with us?" Do you think it was Ernest, like fucking with bro? You? I didn't know. I was like. <laughs> I had I did not know and I I literally Send a I was with Callie my fiance and I was yeah yeah yeah, yeah I don't send a selfie with two hit, hold two yeah, fingers hold up I'm not buying this it's um good. and I had the ACMs the night before in Vegas so I was like I, let me figure out some stuff really quick and I'll let you know and and dude sure enough I took a red eye right after the ACMs flew and we played uh, two days Jake Owen was there Jake I'm sure Jake was probably in his ear because Jake and he's I have a good, played he's a good dude yeah. And we played golf a lot, and uh, so I, I'm I, Jake and Peyton, and them, that he's good buddies, and he, Jake's played Augusta a bunch, and so I'm sure that he was, you know, he's just like, well, Hardy plays golf, so um, yeah. But that was by far, and I got to play with Daly out here one time at Old yeah. Hickory too. That was you guys get cool. hammered? I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, think I did. He did. He was drinking. He was drinking some beers. For Pro, sure. He probably takes him more than a few beers to get him going at this point. I got to fucking get after it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But he was good, man. That 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 round was like. It just, it was like a group of six of us, but he, it was just, there was nothing crazy. It just, we were just playing golf, man. Mm. It was really cool. You did, you did a hole in one recently, didn't you? I did last year. Last year, my I first saw one, that. man. You got the hole in one. I, I'm convinced I'm going to go my whole life with that one. <laughs> with that attitude, yeah. You no, I just like, I think that's how it's going to, that's how the car's going to go. <laughs> I'm going to play good golf for a long time. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to go in. Maybe we'll get you out here with the boy and see if you can, see if you can hang with him. Dude, Come I would easy. love it, man. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready to go, man. I love, I, golf is my, I I hunt and fish I've and do a lot of shit, but I love golf. I've said it a few times. I like golf more than I like anything. Really? I mean that. Yeah, it's it, it just, it's like not even a joke. It's my favorite thing to do. Mm. Like if I could pick, it'd be golf. Yeah. A yeah. day where you have a great round. I've just never. I've never been like ever. it kills a hangover. I've never been like a bad mood. Doesn't. It, yeah, if you think about it, you're out there in nature, man. You know, dude, I talk got my about sandals on. Like, communing with nature is I, great I for your, it, your mood and just your overall vibe. So it, it checks that box. 100%. Yeah, then it's fun, dude. put one in the water. That <laughs> I've never, I've never been the type to. I never get upset. It's on like, the, I, I don't get upset on the golf. Oh, I thought you said you're not the type to ever put it in the water. I'm not the type to put it in the water either. <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't get upset. Uh, I don't get upset when I'm golfing. I mean, bro, if you're not, if you're not getting paid to play golf, you're not good at it. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, there's levels to it. Yeah, there's like a different. If you're gonna start getting mad, like just yeah, I'm buddies. Are you buddies with any of the pro guys? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Justin Thomas and I like talk on Instagram. That's pretty much the only one. Do you give a shit about pro guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah JT just like, won right last weekend. Did he win? I'm pretty sure he just won last weekend. What? Which which one? Uh, I gotta go look at it. But they were in. Uh, he didn't win the big one. What the hell no, was no, it? The no, no. Who won the Masters? Scott, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Four putted from 10 feet. He's at a still one what, what happened there? Homer had a good tweet about it. What he he get said, you might as well be the first yeah. one to. He said you might as well be the first one to six putt and, and get a W. Yeah. Because Homer put a tweet out about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm buddies with Max Homer. 
He's like, cool. Good buddies. He's the man. I saw his. Uh, have you done Sunday conversation yet? No, I'm going to. I'm He's about, about to, to in a few weeks. Oh, dude. I, I love Caleb. Was so I was going to say, I thought you guys might have done it yet. No, he. I we talked about it a while back. I need to hit him up again. It's my favorite piece of content on, on the internet right now. Yeah. It's, like, it's not Caleb's getting, so good. He's so good. It's just not getting old either. Shout out Caleb. That's yeah, my guy. I've known him for I love a that. Long yeah. time. Dude, he's. I don't. I just found out that fool play. He was quarterback at North Carolina. Yeah. I don't know if he played, but it's like the fact that he was even in that position, I was like, dude, Caleb, you're hilarious. Yeah. He's a legend. He's a legend. He's a legend. I asked uh, Marty and uh, Glenny Balls came to our uh, Glenny, um, Madison Square Garden show. And, and I saw that. I asked Glenn, I really both of them, but I was like, is, is Caleb, do, do you have to like do a lot of editing? Like, do y'all laugh? And he was like, bro, Caleb does not break in those yeah. interviews. Like, he, what you see is exactly like how he it's is. so cool. That's man. like his calling. It's amazing. Yeah. It's mind blowing. I literally, when, so when that. we did that podcast, we were talking about you. He gave me a big pep talk that night. And then I gave I gave him the same pep talk. I was like, because they were I was asking about Sunday conversation. At that point, it wasn't as big as it has, it's it's really blossomed and taken yeah. off yeah. since then. But it was it was gold then. And there were he was talking about like they only do it in season NFL season. And I was just like, Dude. do it every fucking yeah. Sunday. Grab anybody you can yeah. until it's until it's not working anymore. It's so good. Yeah, and he's just getting better and better at it. Dude, Incredible. it's it's the new between two ferns. It is. I was lit. I love that's so crazy, ferns. bro. I was like, it's everything that between two ferns. Like, yeah, it's the new. It's the modern version. It's you the know? modern version. And it's just gonna get. I mean, it just had MGK. It's gonna get bigger, and bigger. Yeah. Do you see how they had Glenny in that episode? Yeah, bro. <laughs> how good is that? And so, hey, I, man, fucking shout out Glenny. Balls, Any art, what artist right now moves the needle for you? Oh man, um, let me look at my. I'm. I'm I get asked this a lot, and I can never. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I'm apologize I mean, for putting you in that spot. <laughs> I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big, I listen to a lot of metal. So there's a band I'm into right now called 12 Foot Ninja. They're freaking unreal. 12 Foot dude. Ninja? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, Co Wetzel's a buddy of mine, but I'm a big fan of his shit yeah. a lot. Um, Got him doing the Chug Buds. We just did a collab with him. Dude, he's, Co is, Co is sick. He could party his ass off, that dude. Um, Cautious Clay. Yeah, I love Dude. Cautious Clay. Oh my and god, Wildfire, Wildfire is just—it's yeah. crazy, man. I'm a big fan of I'm him. I'm stuck on it. That, that, I'm still on it. Yeah, Melody's crazy. It's still the only record I'm listening to right now. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I love Cautious Clay. I'm that kind of guy. I, if I like a song, it's just like it's weird out until it's done, and then, yeah. and then I'm over it. Well, but it sucks because then I have fucking you know a week and no music, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Uh, so you have a show tomorrow night? Yeah. So I'm doing a. There's like a independent publisher award thing called the AIMPs, and that's it like five and then i'm going straight from there to like a charity thing that we're doing like 7 30 to piss you can't 11. come tomorrow. dude i know yeah that sucks i know or where you put marathon yeah god dude what time do you is he gonna try and swing it we know what time what, do you go on you know what time i go on i, I would guess around 9 or 9 30. there's a chance that i could make at least like the back half of your set Ern's gonna come out and sing I could i just text like Ern or somebody and slip in the back door yeah just just take, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I don't want to bother you if, if well, especially if no, you're on stage. I'm on stage. Fully. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. Hardy's here. Get him in. <laughs> no, I'll, I'm going to text you my TM and then if you just hit him. But, Dude, that'd be awesome. And then I would love to have you, obviously. Okay. It's going to be a blast. If it doesn't happen, it will happen another time. You know? Okay. Well, I, I, I'll check in if we're done and y'all are still rocking. I'll come by for sure. Great. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and doing Dude, this, brother. This is awesome. Hey, before we get out of here, though, I, I do got to tell you, man, give heaven some hell. Um, it's like a crazy special song for me. It was uh, it was on repeat for me for a long or for about a week. Um, can't remember exactly when it was, but 
uh, pretty recently, my, one of my best friends, Daniel Mickelson, passed away. Rest oh, wow. Peace. And so, yeah, rest in peace, man. I love that kid so much. But um, as I was, like, you know, listening to that record, he passed. And then the next time I heard it, I got in the car, and it was just, like, that's what I was playing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's never been the same since. And it's just, like, a mm. super, like, special record to me and a few of my buddies now. And it's just, like. Thank you. We really appreciate it. That's man. awesome. It's, like, it's an unbelievable song. Send his family and my love. And, yeah, man. And I appreciate, appreciate that, man. It. That's what it's all about, dude. You're doing good yeah. things, sir. Thank you, man. You're doing your fucking thing. That's fucking awesome to see. I know we got a lot of uh, buddies. We share a lot of buddies, and they all say amazing things about you. So, dude, well, it's, uh, there's there's really no higher honor than that to me. You know what I mean? Like when your peers just fuck with you as a person, dude, a hundred percent. That means more than anything. Man. It really does. Better than any award on the wall. hundred percent. Let's keep the awards hanging up. We'll probably keep them coming for a while. We'll Sounds see. like you're not planning on slowing down anytime soon. No, I don't think so. Well, fuck, man. We'll come see a show soon. Come catch you guys. Please Hopefully do. You come catch us somewhere. I'm sure our paths will cross, but I really appreciate you, sir. Absolutely. You're a legend. Thank My you, man. man. Yes, Thank sir. You. It was great meeting you, brother. Yes, sir. We'll get on the golf course soon, man. Yeah, Let's we'll, do we'll it. set come you on. up. We'll get you out there. That was great, man. Thank you. Dude, absolutely, man. Back is-